It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday july 6th and you're listening to episode 423 once again i'm your host jason this week joined by a couple friends of the show uh first of all banana chan who's been on several times hey banana hello thanks for having me yes and then also one of banana's frequent co-designers uh who i've met before but never had on the show sen fung lin Lim, Lim, I, hey. I, I botched the last part of your name. <laughs> the I easy part. Up the easy part. <coughs> That's all right. Thanks for having me, yes. Jason. Hey, thank you two for coming on the show. I uh, believe that I've, obviously I've known Nana for quite a while, but uh, Sen, I think the only time I've met you was last year at, um, it was last year at Grand Con, right? You were at Grand Con last year? Yeah, it was year? at Grand Con. Yep. Yeah, that would be, uh, yeah. Yes, it feels like a million years ago. <laughs> <laughs> the last six years that have been the last six months of this year. So <laughs> um, it's hard to believe it's like we were just saying before we started recording. It's hard to believe that it's almost July as of well, as you're listening to this episode, it is July. We're recording it at the very tail end of June, the last fading minutes of June uh, as it would be. So, uh, well, thanks again for coming on. And uh, hey, I'm, uh, so both of you have designed quite a few games. You've worked together um, a lot over the years. Uh, how, how long have you been working together? I think it's been about two years. So since 2018, I believe. Okay. I knew what, yeah, that's about right. I knew ever since that I've known you banana, you've been working with Sen. So, um, and I've only known you now for gosh, just about a year, really right about now was about oh, wow. the first time we started chatting, uh, because you did the, uh, iron design challenge last year, uh, which was when we first met you. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's crazy. It feels like I've known you a lot longer than that. Yeah. The quarantine has made things stretch out a lot longer. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's very wibbly wobbly. Yeah. Timey-wimey, Timey-wimey. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Well, then I know Banana, you and Nerds. I have been meeting uh, quite a bit. So, uh, to work on stuff. And so I'm sure with you and Sen, it's the same way. Just, uh, it does. It makes it feel like, you know, people more than you'd probably have, have known them longer than you have. So what are some of the games yeah, that two absolutely. of you have uh, worked together on, uh, other than the obvious one that we're going to talk about later? Uh, so we've worked on a few projects um, that were not designed by us, but we wrote for. So we've written uh, adventures and modules for, uh, I believe, Kids on Bikes, uh, North Sea Epilogues, and uh, Rookwood is the mo- the latest one. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Sen's got a module on that, and I, I have a module on that as well. Uh, what else have we worked on? I feel like we've worked on a few things together. Uh, I mean, really, that's sort of where it kind of all starts and finishes, is that we we tend to ask each other to read our adventures. Yeah, that's and, true. <laughs> uh, that's, what, that's how it happens. Um, and then on other projects that we're working on that have yet to be discussed, um, there's right. a bunch and we'll discuss them later, the right, ones that right. we can. And then, <laughs> uh, then we, we also just are really collaborative in the fact that we bounce ideas off of each other a lot. And then we end up liking each other's ideas and we work on them together sometimes. And sometimes it's just, I just need Banana's idea but one thing. Um, also, <clears throat> we've kind of got lumped together for some reason. So sometimes publishers will say, hey, 
you know Banana. How would you like to work together on something? And we said, sure, let's do that. Nice. So that happens too. That's a great thing though, right? Because it means, you know, two people get work <laughs> because they knew one of you. So that's not bad. Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. <laughs> and uh, now uh, you, you all just did, and I do not remember the exact name, but the, the Scooby-Doo game just came out yeah. or comes out next week. Oh, so yeah. we were working on two separate Scooby-Doo games. <laughs> Which is the funniest thing. So Sen's working on one, and I'm working on one for a betrayal. Um, so I did the uh, the haunts. I wrote the haunts and did some de- development for uh, Scooby-Doo Betrayal on Mystery Mansion. And Sen actually worked on another one. Yeah, the one that I worked on was an escape room in a box game for the op, which was Scooby-Doo Escape from the Haunted Manor. Wait, so... <laughs> Okay, now I'm super confused. So a long time ago, Banana, when you and I talked, you said you were working on uh, a Scooby-Doo game for Betrayal, right? Um, and yeah. I, so I remember that. I was like, oh, that's super cool. Like, what a great port over to do it as, as you know, um, as Scooby-Doo. Like, genius. And then I saw Sen working on it. So that was <laughs> that's hilarious. So t- today, today, I think Herb put up a picture of the one Banana's working on. Or did. Right. Okay. Yes. Okay. I but see. then there's a lot of other people that have been putting up the one that I've been working on because that's been out for like a week or two. So right, that's um, hilarious. I knew the one you were doing was for the op, so I just assumed yeah. the one that Banana was doing was somehow for the op, and I was like, well, that's okay, like because that original no, game is not with the op. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting kind of uh, licensing. This is, well, 2019 really was Scooby-Doo's, like, 50th anniversary. I see. So Mm -hmm. it was a very big year, supposed to be a very big year for Scooby stuff, which is why there's a movie. There's, you know, two games at least. um, And and it's sort of this revival um, anniversary era for for Scooby-Doo. And so that's been a nice, nice to be a part of it as Scooby-Doo is, like, my favorite thing ever. And then uh, it definitely fits with Betrayal because if you've ever looked at BG and pictures of people modding Betrayal, they always mod it to Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. Because it fits so perfectly, right? That seems like a no-brainer. Well, it's it's funny you say with the the anniversary, we've seen the same thing this year with two Back to the Future games coming out within like a very short time of one another from two different companies uh, for the anniversary of that. So... Yes. Uh, yeah, n- nostalgia is a big deal, right? And it is. I think that a lot of a lot of licensors and licensees have figured out that oh, you know, people with disposable incomes in their, you know, mid 30s to late 40s, they like these things that yep. happened in the 80s yeah. and the 70s and Let's make games about them now. And then like 10 years from now, you're going to see stuff that was popular in the 90s right, be the games. Right. And then, you know, it, it's that's, that 20 year gap. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Between yes. when the people love the thing and when they have money to spend on the things that are merchandisable. Right. 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 Because honestly, as much as I love Scooby-Doo, I don't own any merchandise of Scooby-Doo or very few pieces. I might have like a puzzle that my kids played with. Uh, but myself, I don't own anything until I bought a couple figures this year. Because I didn't have money to spend on stuff right. that I thought was kind of frivolous, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. It's that's a really good point. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, yeah. And so you'll see this year, like Masters of the Universe and whatnot, is coming out because it's strike while the right. iron's hot for those 
kids who grew up with She-Ra and He-Man. Yep. And now there's the redone versions of She-Ra, oh, right? Yeah. So yep. it, it's it's really this kind of what's old is new again cycle. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, so, uh, Sen, you've done quite a few other games as well. And it, it's funny. So, um, so my wife, for Father's Day, um, she tells me, she's like, listen, I tried to find this game. I can't find it anywhere. I read about it. said it was a great idea for Father's Day. Uh, and then she's like, then she was, so she's like, I'm bummed. I don't think I'm going to be able to get it. And I said, well, did you check eBay? And she didn't tell me what the game was. And I, she said, no, I didn't. Let me check that. And she said, because I want the original version of this game. Because it looks super cool. Um, and so, she, finally, she wins it on eBay. So, they give it to me on Father's Day. And it was Junk Art by you and Jay. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, um, it's the original. <laughs> that like, makes me so happy. It's the original the wood wooden box. version. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and I, I can see <clears> why she why she tracked that one down. Um, oh, it's super nice. Yeah. That's an interesting story, too. Because it's it's a game that there are now three versions of so there's the wood in the wood box there's the plastic in the um cardboard box and now there's wood in cardboard box okay okay and they were they were all done for for very specific yeah very specific reasons right well the the original one is the same as it's funny because when i saw the box i said this is the flick em up box so i go down in my room and look and i'm like oh it's pretzel games yeah (laughs) yep and so that was the idea. Originally, Pretzel Games was to be like heirloom quality games that you would pass okay. down from generation yeah. to generation, uh, you know. <clears throat> but then uh, shipping costs and pricing, like that box itself, uh, oh, if, you, gosh, if yeah. you know anything about the metrics of, of, of game componentry, is yes. an expensive yeah. component. And oh, yeah. because it's so heavy, it adds to the shipping costs. So the whole thing just, yeah. you know, Take that out, and you're taking basically twenty dollars off your MSRP. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the right. um, the uh, I mean, the box is we you know we know a lot of times the box is one of the single most expensive things, and that's when it's cardboard. <laughs> and this is yeah. like very nice oh, yeah. wooden box. The sliding cover, uh, but mm-hmm. but the uh, the balance on the items in there are just insane with the wood pieces. <laughs> Um, my, yeah. my four, my, uh, eight year old kid, uh, made a, um, a tower out of in, like, I still don't know how he did it. He had like one of the barbell pieces, like on the top yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then was able to put the, the, the ball on top of that and it stayed and he won the game. Like, um, I, I don't think I yeah. could have done that. <laughs> so. it, it's, a, it's, I love seeing what people build with it. Uh, my favorite thing to do with those is you'll notice that, all the grooves actually yes. fit the other pieces in them. They do, yes. Um, and then you can use like counterbalancing, like as if you were like Frank Lloyd Wright or something, to make little <laughs> little things balance on each other. And yep. it's actually really impressive and fun to do. So, yeah, no, yeah, I'm we super, had a great I'm super time happy to hear that. Yeah, no, it was it just good. very cool. Like, leave it to her to like track down this awesome game, and it turns out that I know the designers of the game. So Yeah. It's always fun. And you're talking happens. to them this week. <laughs> yes, yeah. I told her, I was like, yeah, the Father's person Day I'm having on the show this ago. week is, uh, is the one of the people who designed the junk art. So, um, no, so that's a, that'll be a definitely often replayed family hit for us, um, which is, which so is nice to hear. great because I was... Um, I showed the kids Animal Upon Animal, upon Animal which is a very different game, but it's another stacking shapes game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the kids just hated it. Like, 
Like, like, I don't even know why they hated it so much, but they did. Uh, And they think junk art's the coolest thing in the world. So, yeah. So, I don't know what you did, but you made it way better than that game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like... For them. Yeah. But it's just funny because they're kids, right? They should like animal shapes. And they're like, no, we want the junk (laughs) art. Like, it's way cooler. So... Well, I think the the at a certain age, right? right, right. <clears throat> Definitely, there's more there's more challenge in junk art, Much, and yeah. it's it's a lot more viscerally. Um, I don't know. There's a bigger feeling to junk art than there is to animal upon animal, um, right? Right. And the height difference and yes. the just vari- the strange variety of pieces. I I think it's it's challenging in a lot, a lot of different ways, and at that age, you know, six, seven, eight, where they're like that's a baby game, right? Right. right. They they might think that. Mm-hmm. Whereas we as adults, like, oh, that's a cool game. I can play with my right, kids. Right, right. And they're like, well, yeah. I'm I'm beyond that, Dad. Right. I'm, I'm I'm all grown up. You know, I got yeah, I got mad yeah. skills. Yep. That I want to show you. Watch uh, as I put this barbell on top of a a thing and then put a circle, a round right. thing on top of that. Right. One of the things I think that I, I really liked in the rules when I was reading the rules was it was talking about the. You know, being kind and not bumping the table and things like that, which was actually great for my kids to be like, hey, get your arms off the table. Like, you know, try not to knock stuff over because they're both in the rules. Right. (laughs) But but what it said in that section was uh, it's something, something, something. It may be like it it may be ugly or something, but it was like, but it's art and it's their art. And like when you're building it, like it feels like that. Right. You're like, I'm making this art. Right. Even though it looks hilarious, like and but it feels like. I made a cool modern art statue or something, right? Like, it's neat. You know? That's exactly what it so, was, yeah. yeah. It's funny because the game was Junkyard originally when we pitched it. Oh, okay, yeah. And and Plan B wanted to, uh, and Pretzel, who they, they're the same company, they wanted to uh, make it a little more, have a little more human appeal. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we fell upon was junk art. Okay. I was going to yeah. ask, okay. Let's was do the that. inspiration behind that, like, going to art museums and, like, seeing... No, the it, you know the, the inspiration. No, it wasn't even junk junkyards. It was that I hated. I love stacking games, uh, mm-hmm. and Jay does too because we're both really dexterous people. But we both hate games where I'm going to look for that piece in the bag and I can feel around oh. and pick the exact piece I want. And so that was our challenge. There's a couple origin stories. So our challenge was how do we how do we get random pieces assigned to us without the feel in the bag problem. Like, I know exactly what that is. I don't want that. Um, and so cards, that's where the cards came into play. And that the cards coming into play were huge because they allowed us to make a lot of different styles of games with using cards yes, as well as yes. pieces, right? And so you'll see that the, some of the various cities in junk art have, you know, use of the cards. And, like, you know, you're making runs and you're making sets and you're, make, you're doing different things that you would normally yep, wouldn't yep. see in a purely stacking game. But the actual original reason why we made junk art was because we made a game about juggling. And you go, how does that even relate? Well, here's how it relates. Our game about juggling was about juggling progressively more difficult things. And like things like, you know, balls to um, bowling pins to knives to chainsaws to cats. Cats were the hardest ones. (laughs) They're they're really hard to juggle. Super hard to juggle. (laughs) And so we made this... It was basically like a a following trick kind of style game. Um, And it was originally actually volleyball before that, where you had to like pass, you know, bump, set, spike... (laughs) 
type things. Yeah. And so it's like, volleyball's no fun. Let's talk about um, juggling. So it's like, I juggle you, you juggle to me, you juggle to me. Now we put some flair on it and throw a cat. Um, people are, <laughs> all cat lovers out there are going to say, what are you talking about, son? Um, and anyway, so the game got pitched to a company as this card game. And we had like made this pitch sheet and everything. And they're like, yeah, it's a good game. But it really doesn't live up to the expectations of juggling cats. <laughs> right? They're like, it's not as it's not as fun as the premise, right? And that's a really important thing that game designers have to have yes. to learn. Yes. When they're selling their games, it's like hyperbole actually hurts you. Mm-hmm. Right? To the yeah. the part where yeah. like you set me up for an expectation and experience, it didn't happen. Therefore this game is not as good as it could be. That is right? a really, it might be a very good yeah. game. That is a really succinct way to say something. I was trying to explain to Chris Kirkman at one point. Um, him and I, were we had played. Uh, there was a game he really liked. I don't remember what it was. Oh, it was, and I'm not speaking ill of this game, but it was Artifacts, Inc., I think, uh, by yeah, uh, yeah. Ryan Lockhart, right? Is that, is that, did I make that up? I think that's who did it. Anyways, um, and that, like, I struggled, what I struggled with about the game was, because he was like, the system is so beautiful and it's so well done. And I was like, it is. But like when I look at that game, I feel like I'm going to be Indiana Jones. And when I play that game, I'm not Indiana Jones. Like I feel like right. I'm like collecting things. Um, and the system works really well, but it's not exciting to me because I wanted to be Indiana Jones. And that's exactly what you're describing, right? Is like yep. um, the theme promised me something that it did not give me, um, you know. Um, and yeah, so even though it's funny because the name Artifacts Inc. actually makes me think of collecting things. But I think it was the fact that mm-hmm. like the the artwork was like you're Indiana Jones, but but you weren't. It were just turns out you were just juggling cats, so. <laughs> yeah right. And so how it got back to this dexterity game is like we liked the idea of things having to go in certain sequences, um, and we said, well, what if it was fun? <laughs> what if this was funnier? <laughs> you know, what if this what if this this idea of of touching things together of connecting things together. And we said, oh, what if it was physical? And that led us to this whole stacking thing where you get points by stacking things that are uh, progressively in the same numerical, in the numerical order or things that are the same color touched together. That was like, that's a sign of like, oh, beautiful, right? So you gain fans for getting, for doing art that people like. Um, Anyways, that, that's where that all came from. (laughs) That's a really long story for Junkyard. Wow. (laughs) It was good. It was and that's good. not even the the point of the show, although although junk art does start with a J, and so that oh. that at least leads us into the next game. I guess. Yes, it does. It does. So so right? yes. Jenga. Now we're yeah. going to talk about Jenga. More st- which is my powers. favorite game of all time. <laughs> you know, so the- Jenga is my favorite game of all time, but it's not really my favorite game of all time for the reason why you might think it's my favorite game of all time. But it's, is it just because it's a storytelling element? No, oh, well that 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 okay. is part of it for sure. So like, yes, Jenga and Dread are one of my favorite things ever. Um, mm-hmm. But no, no, no. It, it's it, it's because it is a perfect product, right? In the old school box, anyways. So in the new school box, where it's this round container that you just chuck your pieces back in. Oh, oh yeah, that's God, yeah. stupid. Yeah, yeah I know. I what hate you're that saying. box. But the but the old one, I have like seventy Jenga games downstairs. Like I, I collect Jenga. Um, but the original Jenga no in the Scooby-Doo. red box put crap loads of Jenga. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> The so it's you take a block from the bottom and you put it on top. That's it. That's all you need to teach this stupid game. Right. It is brilliant, right? So it teaches itself in like two seconds. 
when you put it back in the box, you've basically just set it up for the next time. It has the, the yeah. self-correcting yep. kind of corner, 90-degree corner piece on it so that you can yeah. even out your tower. It is just a ridiculously well-made product. Um, and, you know, hats off to to the designer of that game. Well, and um, who one is of the things of mine. I found out researching Jenga was like the fact that they, like, the original versions used different types of wood for different pieces to create, like, different... Um, yeah, so that, that's you cool. Know, the pieces slide different or weigh different amounts in... Like no one would have thought they put that much thought into Jenga, but 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 they did. <laughs> they really did. Yeah, they're all imperfect too. They're not like perfectly machined. Right. Yep. So wow. they don't. They, so the friction's different. Right? Yep. Yeah. Did you see it's, the collector's item from Anthropology? That's like a rainbow Jenga tower. I think it's uh, like. <laughs> is, is it like like made out of like gold or glass or something? There's there's a bunch of really fancy ones that I don't have. Glass. Obviously. That seems yeah, like a bad some... idea. What? Yeah, there's some weird, like, collector's thing with Jenga towers now. It's like Urban Outfitters has some, Anthropology has some, Tilly's. Like, all these brand names are now getting into Jenga towers. It's very strange. I like mine made out of eggshells so that you can only play it once. <laughs> it's just so, eggs. But, yes, it's just stack we did have you here to talk about another J game that is not uh, about Jenga, uh, believe it or not. Um, so... So the idea was, uh, Banana, you talked about this ga- this game actually on uh, the show, gosh, a long time ago. It, I don't know, quite a while ago. You were on, you mentioned the game. Um, but uh, yeah, I, what I wanted to do was kind of talk about, you know, do, do a bit of a deep dive on your game and really um, kind of just talk about it and, uh, you know, where it came from, what you're doing with it. Uh, and it is going on Kickstarter very, very soon <laughs> as well. So we'll, we'll talk about that later. So, yeah, I will let you all take it away because uh, it turns out I've been pronouncing it wrong, uh, as apparently everyone has. It's kind of my fault, though. <laughs> I feel like is. the way I said it was the way you taught me to say it. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> okay. Whew, I feel way better. Cause, because whatever Sen said was not what, um, was absolutely not uh, what I you said to me so all right yeah well so uh so we're gonna talk about someone say the name that's not me it's junction blown the banquet hall yeah so uh junction blown the banquet hall is a tabletop role-playing game uh that is set in the 1920s the players take on the roles of a chinese family uh running a restaurant in 1920s chinatown and in the daytime they have to feed their customers. They have to make sure that their customers are happy, uh, maintain their stress levels, and you know try to avoid oppression as much as possible. Um, whereas at night, Zhang Shu, hopping vampires come out and they attack everyone, and uh, you know the family has to try and survive these horrors. So the game itself is a tabletop role-playing game, but because we have sand on the project, uh, it uses board game elements. So it has cards, it has uh, a literal board that represents the restaurant itself um, and how it changes over time when the the family uh, can't take care of it anymore. So as the family gets more and more stressed out, they take damage, uh, they take physical damage as well, and they cover up slots on their character sheet. And when they do that, they have less time to uh, to work on chores in the morning. So when they can't work on chores in the morning, the cards that uh, that are on the chore list get 
set aside and uh, covered over on top of the restaurant board, meaning that the restaurant is slowly going into decay. It's slowly, uh, it's slowly getting decrepit because you can't take care of it. And once the game, uh, the game ends in one of two ways. The first way is when the, the restaurant board is completely covered up. That's the first way. And then the second way is when the scenario is done, when the players are like, okay, I think that was a good story. Let's end it there. Which that is theoretically the way that you end in a way that's more positive, because right, because ending when the restaurant board is covered up, I assume that means that the restaurant has closed because it fell into too much disrepair because of all the hopping vampires. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah. if I remember correctly, uh, uh, hopping vampires—that is—that is a—that is, a, that is an, uh, a real myth, right? Like that's you did yeah, not that's come a up thing. with that. That's a, a real thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> totally a real thing. Right. Banana is really good at explaining the mythology behind the Jiangshu, though. So I've explained it a couple of times. There are a few different stories behind how sure. they came to being. Uh, but one of our favorites, or one of my favorites at least, is that. Um, well, it's my favorite too, because you say it all the time. <laughs> you just had to be. Now I'm like. By default. I'm like making you. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, these, uh, these hopping vampires, they came to being when a. A monk was trying to transport bodies from point A to point B, and point B would be their eventual burial site, right? So uh, they had to take all these bodies, get them over there, and perform the burial. They were a little lazy because it's a lot of work dragging these bodies (laughs) around, um, trying to put them on the carts, you know, do all that, that fun stuff. So what they did instead was they enchanted the bodies, and they placed these paper talismans on their heads, so that they started hopping and they followed the monk along. Unfortunately, um, a storm or something uh, something happened along the way where uh, the wind blew off these paper talismans and they just started running amok and they're just like attacking everyone. And that's how Jiangshu came about. <laughs> it's true. Because, because, you know, uh, this is what happens when people cut corners in processes, right? Like it yeah. is, it, it, it's a it's a moral tale, right? I love is that. It, it's- do you want vampires? Because this is how you get vampires, right? Right. <laughs> yes, this is what happens when you're lazy. You get vampires. What's funny to me is like when I think of lazy monks are not what I think of. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like they're they're like. I mean, I don't know. I just don't picture them as just like, you know, I mean, I guess they sit around like and like meditate. I think they could lot, have been. But like. They're still. probably Taoist priests. Just like regular Taoist priests. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, but, uh, you know, that is, it's such a cool story. And I love that you've taken something that's, you know, um, that it's an actual, um, you know, thing from Chinese culture and, and used that as the basis. And. It seems like you are. That's something you were concerned with in the game was, was, was doing the culture correctly, right? And making sure that you know, being that it's set in the 1920s Chinatown, um, trying to make it. I assume all feel very much like you're there, and you know what, um, you know that everything culturally is lines up. Is that is that mm-hmm. the case? I mean, yeah, it's, I it's think banana. So I have to assume so. I, I don't know you as well, Sam. <laughs> I know that that's important to banana. Well. No, it is. I mean, to both of us, I, I think being uh, part of the diaspora, um, both of us don't reside in China. Um, 
banana was born there and lived there for a while, but then moved to Canada and then to the States. So Oh, I was born in Canada. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yes. Oh, right. it's okay. I moved back and forth a lot. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was a... This is like a, an exploration of our heritage in a way. Right, um, right. Of the stories of people that came before us. Uh, because, and a lot of it, a lot of this does stem from from uh, experiences with racism in some weird way, like push back against it and say, well, why is it like that? Why is the world like this? And part of our exploration of the history of the Chinese diaspora to the Western states and the Western parts of Canada in the gold rush era was all about racism. Um, And so we wrote this story in this game in, in part and parcel to kind of educate ourselves and really figure out, you know, where are we from and how come this happened and why do people treat us like this um, when we, you know, Canadians, like Chinese uh, have been in America and Canada for what, we're coming up on just under 200 years, Almost right? Almost 200 years, yeah. Right, and so it's been a long time um, and yet there's still all this abject racism about all sorts of stuff. And we learned a lot about our history. We learned about a lot, a lot about the acts and the laws that were put in place in both Canada and the United States in regards to preventing um, Chinese people from flourishing. And yet we still did. And that's sort of the testament of this tale is using the Jiangshu as a kind of an- analogy for oppression and racism and seeing can the family survive and fight through that despite all of that, despite the fact that we have an intergenerational family where grandparents don't believe what their kids or their, especially their grandkids believe in, don't speak the same language, and yet they still marshal together as a family to scrape up an existence serving people who've never tasted this type of food before food. And what does that end up looking like? Um, and telling those stories through a fantastical lens because that's apparently engaging and fun. So yeah, because <laughs> I mean, if, I, if we wrote if we wrote racism the game, nobody would play it. Yeah, that's right. True. I mean, that is. Yeah, I mean, that's you know one of the best ways to have somebody not be receptive to learn something is to say, "I'm about to teach you something about something that might make you uncomfortable." Um, right, so. even in a game form, right? Right, right, right. Well, I think that I think it's actually even more fearful in a game form, right? Because you know when you think about when I say, like, hey, do you want to sit down and play a role-playing game? You're like, oh, yeah, sure. What's it about? And you're like, it's about racism. I'm going to teach you all about racism, right? And they're like, for, for me, I would be like, well, that sounds like it could be a difficult game to play, right? I mean, we're going to – it's probably going to be hard, um, but, you know, I'm going to hopefully learn a lot. So, great. But a lot of other people who maybe not as, you know, think, oh, that's not something that really matters to me, right? Um, I don't see color, right? Some crap like that. Um, I don't need to learn about this. But when they right. play the game, right, and then they're like, oh, wow, like, this was real? Like, this happened? And you're like, oh, yeah, the vampires are real, too. But um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but being able to, to interweave, like, the fantasy with, with the real things that happened, that's fantastic. Because then you're, then you're, like, teaching people in a way where they don't even realize they're being taught. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's, I've, yeah. I've- I've definitely realized in writing adventures for other systems and stuff like that, I don't want to write the fantastical. I want to write the weird, like mm-hmm. the odd stuff that actually could have happened. Right, um, right. 
like I, I'm, I, you know, like science fiction and stuff is okay. But what I'm really into is like things like cryptids. Oh yeah, <laughs> things, oh, like, things like that. Like love cryptids. Like what? Like cults and stuff like that. Just weird stuff that humans yeah. actually do. Yeah, yeah. Cults that to are me is so, so much, much more interesting. So much yeah. more interesting than like dragons. I could spend hours yep. telling you about MLMs. <laughs> MLMs. She could. She has. What are MLMs? <laughs> I'm sorry. Multi-level marketing <laughs> schemes, like pyramid schemes. Oh, okay. Yeah. What? How to be a boss babe. 101. Oh. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. So no, today I know we're going to talk about this. Now, if you want to run your own things, now you have to find two other people that you're going to teach. Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah. then they'll have to pay you, but you have to pay me. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You and know. then I'll pay the people above me. Right. I actually know this person um, who I went to high school with and they're on Facebook a lot, and I unfriended them a while back because they are just, oh, they are just everything that that all three oh, of us no. would be against, right? Um, you know. Oh, no. uh, but anyways, um, they are super successful with this thing that they do, and they actually tried to get me into it. So like, oh, you do coaching, you could be really good to join into this. And like, my first thought was, okay, there's no way that you're good at this. Like, there's no way that you're good at this. But I see that you're making a lot of money. So this is definitely a scam. <laughs> no other way, right? There's no right. other way that this is this is this is legit because I can I know what it takes to do what I'm doing and I see what you're doing and the way you're offering to do it like I just and I'm intentionally being vague because I'm not going to out this yeah. person's business. I mean that's their deal, but um you know, but yes, yeah, so the whole multi-level marketing thing and that's not exactly I can't tell if that's exactly what this is or not. But it sounds a lot like you pay us a lot of money and we'll get you business, but the business we're going to get you is is really I don't know. It it all feels it all feels like a like a Ponzi scheme, you know. So Yeah, yeah, if it feels mm-hmm. like a Ponzi scheme, it probably is. I was yep. con- I was right. confused though because you were talking about cryptids and then suddenly you were like MLMs and I was like whoa 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 like I'm like I'm going through the well, cryptids I know in my well, head I'm like what's MLM? Like I don't know that one and well like, oh, <laughs> There's a lot of overlap between all of these things, like you know, cryptids, cults, MLMs. It's just what people will believe, really. Yeah. Secret that's, societies. That's what we're interested. Yeah, that's the one we just got on. <laughs> Seriously, like two days ago, I said, "Hey, you got to watch this show. Not only is it really good, but there's like secret societies in it." And like, oh, I wouldn't it be it. wouldn't it be great to have a game where we're living on? We're all like rushing frats and sororities, but they're all parts of secret societies, and we have to <laughs> bring them down. And so. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of our games come from media and from really just human observation and saying, "Holy, you people are right. weird." Right? <laughs> don't you wish? Let's don't, play as you. I, I miss though when right. like people were crazy about like cryptids and stuff, and like you know they like you watched Finding Bigfoot and you were like, "These people are ridiculous." This is uh, this is good television. I'm gonna keep watching it, right? Um, mm-hmm. But then, like, you start to realize that, like, wait, those people also don't believe in, like, vaccines, and those people don't believe in, like, real science. And to be clear, not everyone who believes in cryptids uh, doesn't yeah, believe in but science. A lo- but a lot of them fall into yeah. this, There's this some strange crossover. valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. There's a high correlation, right? Yes. <laughs> there really uh, is. <laughs> of things that people will believe when there's no proof, and yet disbelieve things that there is empirical evidence for. Right. Right, so I can, and they'll they'll give mm-hmm. you all these reasons. It's very strange. I want to ask you both a question that has nothing to do with game design, okay? 
But I'm sure. curious. <laughs> I'm curious because you've both clearly have done a lot of research about things that are ridiculous. And I mean that I mean that in the most flattering way possible because this oh, yeah. is my jam too. Um, so Bigfoot. Okay. Real or not mm-hmm. real? Like what is what are your what are your opinions about that? Like succinctly, not like let's not have a twenty minute discussion about it. <laughs> like Can I give you like a paragraph of my thoughts. Yes. Did you, is this like something from a new book you're writing? Well, no, but I was very close (laughs) to taking a course from the center of excellence, um, about cryptids. I would have gotten a diploma from them. Except she, then she decided to take skateboarding lessons from Tony Hawk. Yes, I, I did do that. I just nice that. from the uh, master's class thing or whatever. The master's yes, class. The master class. Yeah. I kind of wanted to take guitar even... lessons from Tom Morello. I mean, like, <laughs> You should get Masterclass to, to play, sponsor this. I don't know how to play guitar, but. <laughs> so what, what's your paragraph? What's your paragraph? All right. So Bigfoot. I believe that. And <laughs> Sam, don't give me that look. <laughs> that maybe there's a whole bunch of these cryptids that are sort of connected to one another, like Yeti, Bigfoot. They're all sort of similar. There's one idea where, yes, maybe there's real, you know, yetis and Bigfoots and, you know, big feet and whatever. Then the other idea is that there are all these people who are in the secret society dressing up as these cryptids going out there and trying to get people to take pictures of them. Just throwing it out there. So it's like a, it's like a, a, a like a hazing ritual. Uh, hazing ritual slash maybe they're doing it for the lulls. Maybe they're doing it for the lulls. Yeah. Yeah. Bigfoot. Maybe so, they're doing it for the lulls. There's so, the hot I mean, from a banana. Yeah. So, so from an, from an anthropo- anthropological perspective, it's not about the lulls. Um, maybe it's not. Uh, there there are, like, like Banana said, there are similar features, similar... There's, some, there's something in the zeitgeist of humanity where we have this idea of a primitive hairy version of us still wandering around out there um in malaysia and sumatra and and indonesian area it's like it's oran oran pendak which is actually like a short big foot yep it's a little foot um and then there's the yetis and there's bigfoot and there's like the the skunk Skunk ape. ape yeah yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's okay. all sorts of cryptids out there that are just similar, right? And you know, you gotta ask yourself, is this true? Is this right? Is this right, right. or is it just something that humans want to see or that we assume when we see something else, oh it's that. Right? So right, right. we've never found conclusive evidence of almost any of these things. So I'm I'm being a scientist of the mind that no, they're not real, right, right. but I'm also of the mind that the hu- the human brain, uh, which shows us just how similar we are as people, despite our ethnicities and nationalities and heritage and all that kind of stuff, um, we create these things in our head, uh, and we've all managed to create very similar figments of our imagination in our head because there's something archetypical and utterly... Um, primal about some of these things that we're scared of like big smelly hairy versions of us or big creatures under the water right right so they all fall into these very very specific 
kind of tropes, right? If we think about mm-hmm. the New Jersey Devil um, mm-hmm. or any of like Mothman. Mothman. Or, oh, Mothman's Mothman. a big one oh, for Banana. Oh, My uh, favorite. Any, any, any <laughs> oh, of the things that like out. swoop swoop down, pick yeah. up people or sheep That's or cattle cool. and make off yeah. with them in the middle of the night? Mothman would never do that. Well, to be clear, if you like that banana, you should really like dragons because they do that too. Just saying. Oh, I love dragons, except for dragons in fantasy oh, settings, which I have a just thing the modern with. day dragons. So, like, modern you're a big dragons. fan of like the uh, of that movie. Um, what was that movie? Uh, it was really bad, but I loved Ra- it. Rain, Rain of Fire? Fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I love Rain of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> I also like Dragonheart. Bad movies in general, so. I do um, like that movie. So thank you for your summaries on your feelings about Bigfoot. So I, I think I fall in line kind of with both of you. Um, you know, Sen, one of the things that you said that's really interesting to me is I think anytime we look back at history, right, and we can look across cultures and hear about the same thing, right, the same, these myths that happen across all different cultures, uh, and there's so much similarity is when you know that the, the peoples at that time were very unconnected, right? Um, that is always yeah. I always it's, I always think well there's something to that right um, you know because yeah. because it's, it's 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 basically the opposite of COVID nineteen <laughs> right why why COVID nineteen right. is not a hoax right right because mm-hmm. it's happening in all countries everywhere right right, right. how did how, yeah. like even if we are globally connected what's the goal of like disparate governments saying the exact same thing. It's like mm-hmm. it's like QAnon or something like that. I don't know. I tried to look some of that oh, stuff God, up, and yeah. it was like run fast. Yeah, that's a, that's a hole you don't want to fall down too far. No, no. Um, but I, I, I think what I kind of come to with the Bigfoot thing is: Does Bigfoot exist? Probably not. Do most cryptids exist? Probably not. But Bigfoot is one where I feel like if someday they were like, "We found one. We have a body. We can prove it." I'd be like, "Meh. All right. I'll buy that." Like, I, yeah. would, I would be. Yeah. Not as surprised as I think most people would be, but in general, yes, I understand that probably it's not it's not a thing. I, I think I just kind of want it to be a thing. I just don't ever want like to be a thing that happens when I'm camping. You know? <laughs> yeah, you're like Bigfoot agnostic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I'm hopefully agnostic for Bigfoot. I would enjoy yeah, I feel it if the same way. existed. <laughs> yeah. same way. I'm okay yeah, that Bigfoot doesn't exist. I'm not going to get up on a soapbox and say he, he doesn't or does. If he did, that'd be kind of cool. But I also mm-hmm. can appreciate and accept that he doesn't. Yeah. Right, exactly. I think yeah. that's just being Same. a skeptic. That's just being yeah. skeptical. Right, so. right, right. I'm Hel- in that healthy too. dose of skepticism. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, well, all right. Uh, that was a whole thing. <laughs> that was a whole side <laughs> um, can we Can we talk a little bit about, um, can we just talk a little bit about, you know, you, you mentioned that um, the game had... Uh, the, the the banquet hall game um juncture 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 least it's not jeng shi huh banana um, yes <laughs> listen <laughs> I, i've said it like that before <laughs> we agreed that we were going to romanize it for a while and then we right. decided not right. to <laughs> right. no i mean if you're gonna like if you're gonna go like like if you're gonna go with like trying to be like really like you know culturally accurate like just go for it right just because mm-hmm. just because us dummies can't pronounce it right you know i mean yeah we can't even pronounce like think- latin words right i mean heck katarski from green couch games put out that game fidelitas and there was a one reviewer that kept calling it fidelitas in the review <laughs> oh wow he's like oh wow so, how, how can you do that is- <laughs> 
like no. didn't need it. Who, who looked like at it and said... That's like putting the wrong emphasis like, on the wrong syllable, right? <laughs> or Agricola. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie. There was a time Agricola. where I was like, it's got to be Agricola, right? But then like, I got nervous yeah. when I had to say it out loud. I'm like, is it Agricola? <laughs> it's got to be Agricola. <laughs> yes. But yes. Fidelitas. And the person just kept saying it over and over again. It was pretty funny. I can say that now because it was oh, several no. years ago, but back when it happened, uh, it was pretty embarrassing, I'm sure, for that person because, you know. Oh, no. Yeah. But anyways. <laughs> it's so, all yeah, good. Tell me a little bit about like how the cards work and, you know, how um, – because I saw the um, uh, the uh, the board design that you had posted online mm-hmm. with, you know, mm-hmm. the little the animated animation one. there. Yeah. So um, think about the boards – uh, like your player, your player card, your player sheet, and the restaurant middle board, as sort of like reverse scythe. <laughs> so instead of mm-hmm. you know in scythe you're putting you're taking pieces off of it to do right. and then you reveal stuff under it. Yep. This is different. This the stuff's there. So your character starts whole. Your your restaurant starts, you know, well working, well oiled machine, and so you'll see all your benefits listed under these slots in these slots but then as you take either physical damage or psychic damage or disrepair in the restaurant you take those cards and you cover up the the restaurant or your your person and therefore you lose aspects of yourself so uh one aspect of your character might be your heirloom uh your heirloom is an item that you can use to kind of get in touch with your heritage and your ancestors and at some point in the game, you might decide to use it and break it um, and use it for a good thing. But if you take too much damage, you might never have that chance because at some point, the damage causes mm. you to forget that that is your, your heritage. A lot of the mm-hmm. idea behind this is so uh, Jiangshu are, are psychic vampires. They don't really historically necessarily suck blood, although they have in certain iterations. They take chi. Yeah, they take chi, your your oh, energy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and specifically, they actually take the yang energy, which is you know very very specific. But um, yeah. the idea is that as you lose this energy, you're losing yourself slowly. Right, and you're becoming right. less and less like you are, and so you'll forget you know uh, all the way from you know your hobbies and your 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 history and eventually your hopes and dreams and eventually your ability to actually speak. And then you're actually a zombie by then. That so, is yeah, so oh, by the much way. more terrifying than just like blood sucking vampires. Like I would rather like suck my blood and either make me a vampire or kill me. Like don't like steal my soul. Oh yeah, basically. Like that's <laughs> yeah, terrifying. well that's that's what this is, right? So yeah. the, the idea that's why it's it's interesting, right? So um, European vampires are sexy and sparkly, right? Because <laughs> you end up being Diamond the sexy skin. sparkly version of yourself. Yeah, but right? I in, mean, other than like the eating people thing, what's the downside to being a vampire, right? I mean, but you like, don't really eat them; you just suck their blood. <laughs> that's true, <laughs> right? I mean, like you don't even have to eat them; you just suck their blood. <laughs> you suck their blood. Also feed off rats or something. That's what they did in that one yeah. movie. Oh. That's right. <laughs> um, but the Jiangxi are more like they're more like a combination vampire zombie thing. Mm-hmm. They're not really brainless. But they're not exactly brain full. Right. Which they makes have like sense they, they them just hopping along, right? Yeah, they're reanimated dead corpses. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing is, as in our version, anyways, and in a lot of versions, as they suck more life out of you, they become more sexy and powerful. sparkly. Oh no! Well, oh, not, yeah. they'll never be sexy well, and sparkly. Same thing. They get right? they 
they start getting more and more powers. So uh, yeah, right, right, right. That makes sense. There's yeah. like <laughs> yeah, they become less and less rigid, right? Because that's what yeah. it is, it's rigor mortis that makes them hop. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's not because they want to hop; they just can't. They can't bend their knees anymore. <laughs> they really this is, can't. This is went in so many directions. I didn't see it going. This is fantastic. <laughs> this is this is a real deal, man. You're, you're getting you're getting the goods. I yes, I agree with you. Oh, so is there um uh is there anything else? Because we're actually running short on time here. Is there anything else oh, about wow. the game yeah. you want to um you want to throw out there? I, so it's coming to Kickstarter. What's the date it launches? July 14th. Um, we should also probably mention the dice system and the spirit paper real quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, there's and dice. Our, oh, yeah. There's dice. And there's a billion writers on this project. Yeah, not everything is a, is a Jenga tower. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, when I said a billion, I mean, like, there aren't actually a billion. There's just a lot of writers. Uh, oh, just to well, clarify. <laughs> the, the, whole re- the whole reason, or yet another origin story for this, this game was um, Banana and I were talking about what kind of randomizers, what RNGs can we use that aren't dice or a Jenga tower? And so mm-hmm. we looked in Chinese culture for what we use in Chinese culture to, divin- div- to divinate. Divinate? Is that a word? Divination. Divinate? Divination tools. We were looking for yeah. divination tools. Yeah, that's what we were doing. We were looking for divination tools. <laughs> I don't know. Divinity and, sounds like a great word. <laughs> I know. And there, there are these, and you can't see them because this is a podcast. But these are Jiaobei, which are Taoist divination tools. Divination tools. I don't. I can't speak today. <laughs> but I can say. But I can say Jiangshu. So um, <laughs> these the are. One. Right, these are jiaobei, and jiaobei are these half moon looking things that are usually made out of red wood, or wood that is painted red in this case. Um, and you throw, you shake them, and you throw them, and how they land tells you uh, what the future holds for that question that you asked, right? And so we were originally using these, um, but they are clunky, big, costly, and uh, right, they don't right. actually ever land in the fourth position. Like yeah, it's real hard. Yeah, it's real hard to get it to land in the fourth position. The fourth position is on edge. There's no oh, way so, I could do that. So that's how you trick the future. <laughs> like if this bad thing's gonna happen, land in the fourth position, and then if it does, you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We got rid of it pretty quickly. Um, right, right. Because we always had just like just like just like dread. Uh, has a dice analog or a card analog for the tower. We said, oh, right, let's right. write a dice analog just in case we don't get these. Because we didn't even know where to source these things. Like, I got these off of Alibaba. Because China. Yeah, they're all uh, shipped right. from Taiwan, <laughs> right, right. I think. Yeah. So they're, they're like legit Taoist tools. But um, also, we weren't sure how we felt about that. Particularly yeah. using an actual, you know spiritual yeah, religious fair. type yes. item yeah. within the within a game in yep. fact so much so that the spirit paper is changing oh yeah so we had to change the spirit paper because i did a little bit of stalking on the modern magic forums magic with um you know magic as in like Taoist magic and like all the uh, occult magic type right, stuff right but um, also the gathering and also the gathering. I do play a little bit. I dabble, you know. Um, so I was looking up on, you know, some of the forums, and it seems like people, there are um, people uh, who actually make spirit paper, uh, paper talismans, paper sigils. Um, they're called food sigils, food talismans, uh, that actually are used for spell casting in the real world. 
And there is a little bit of like a weird intellectual property type thing where it's like, you know, one person uses their their, um, their own sigil for a specific spell and you don't really want to, you know, you don't really want to steal someone else's thing. So yeah, we're going to be working on that. Yeah, exactly. Right. We don't want no, to appropriate true, yeah. someone else's I mean, work. especially if it has, like, spiritual and cultural significance to these people who are using mm-hmm. them, right? I mean, that's, like, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so there, there are very specific dimensions and things that we're just going to avoid, and we'll make them whatever we make them. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. To have the, the, the idea of it and the semblance of it without the authenticity, necessarily. Right. Uh, right. But that, that we'll probably write a note yeah. somewhere. That, like, yeah. these aren't authentic. Yeah. Um, if you want more information on, you know, Taoist practices, go read here. Yeah, and you don't accidentally summon like a ghost or something. Yeah, because that'd be bad. That that would be bad. Yeah, that'd be like that. that literally <laughs> would be the satanic panic of the seventies with D and D, which I grew oh, up no. through. So. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Mazes and monsters. We could get Tom Hanks. Oh my gosh! Yes. Oh, the spirit I'd be down papers for that. coming soon. Yeah. Oh. Right, so we also use dice. Uh, the dice are D8s, and uh, D8, the number eight uh, in general, is good luck in Chinese uh, Chinese oh, culture, just because nice. eight sounds a lot like uh, the word uh, ba. No, wait. We are Ba. Is it fa? Fa. Oh, e or yeah. Ba. Ba. Ba and fa. Because it's like it sounds like a prosperity, I guess, or like um, yeah, uh, yeah, that okay. that's the word. Yeah. Um, so that's why you know there's that uh, that correlation. But the number four is bad luck because it sounds like the word death, and that's why uh, sure. when you roll a four, it cancels out the highest number in your dice roll. So you roll nice. from a pool of dice, and it cancels out uh, the fours cancel out the highest number, and then uh, whatever is left is your outcome. Very cool. So that's how the dice works. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And the dice, the dice, uh, your pool uh, diminishes over time for the family as you get more and more psychic damage. Right. Uh, but then it. you can always gain individual dice. And this is actually my favorite part of the game. Uh, individual dice are gained by working towards your hopes and dreams. Uh, and hopes and dreams are these kind of character-defining relationship things where it's like. I am the youngest child in my family's household, meaning that my brother's going to inherit the restaurant, but I work there, and what's left for me? My hope and dream is to become, you know, uh, is to go to university and become a doctor. That's my hope and dream. Okay. And so my character would have that hope and dream, let's say. And anytime that he works towards doing that, like I put in my application today, I missed helping out mom with, you know, making the soup today because I was, you know, over at, you know, uh, the university in San Francisco mm-hmm. applying for this thing that I believe in. Um, and my mom was yelling at me when I got home, but I get a personal dice to use then. I personal see. die, I guess. So yeah. you have a pool of personal dice, you have the family dice, and then there's a, one more die, but it's not a big deal right now. And then the, all those things kind of combine in terms of, you know, I will give up my personal die to help the family out, which is really kind of neat because that means you're actually giving up your hopes and dreams to help your family survive now. Uh, That's deep. That is, (laughs) that is. It is, it is. So for me as an immigrant child, as a child of immigrants, this was a big deal. This was a huge deal. My parents, like I, I was telling Banana, my parents aren't restaurant people. 
uh, they're storekeepers. But my dad and mom aren't storekeepers. They're like professionals, like nurses and, and engineers and stuff. And so my dad's biggest thing always was, you need to have a job where you can be your own boss. Um, because he always felt that, you know, even even running the stores and the businesses that my grandfather ran, he was kind of uh, <clears throat> beholden to all the customers and things like that. So anyway, um, all these hopes and dreams of what you want to do are very different than what your parents want to do, especially right, right. immigrant parents. Immigrant mm-hmm. parents are real tough mm-hmm. um, because yep. they sacrificed a lot to bring you over here so you could have a better life. And really, is writing games what you want to do with your life? Is that a better life, Sam? Right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a lot of pressure on everyone there, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not good at it in real life, to be honest. <laughs> like, my parents don't know, like, they don't know anything about my game design stuff. They, they have a passing idea that I do it, but I never tell them about my successes or my failures uh, because... It's not worth it to me to have a fight because mm-hmm. they would, right. my mom would, my dad wouldn't, but my mom would a hundred percent just fight about it. Like, oh, why are yeah. you doing that? What, why is that important to you? Mm-hmm. Um, and she Does doesn't it, do it because she wants to understand. Those aren't, those aren't understanding questions. Yeah. Um, they might sound like they are, but I know right. my mom, they're not. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah. And then there's I, also I this too. idea. There's also this idea where it's like, you have to work twice as hard just because you don't look the same as Mm -hmm. other people around you and you know you have to somehow in order to get to like where you want to be you have to also make a lot of sacrifices in your own life so yep it's it's a lot of you know it's a lot of pressure in general (laughs) yeah and we wanted to put that out in the game as as these 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 forces that are are hindering the progress of people of color and immigrants in Canada and America, mm-hmm. when they come here, try to assimilate, try their best, and the system just sort of beats them down in, in a lot of different ways right. that aren't necessarily of their own fault at all. Right. Um, yeah. And yet, and yet they still survive, and yet they still mm-hmm. persevere, and yet and all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. And, and it's, it's this interesting story, and it's a story that a lot of people who've played the game find matches up with their own stories because uh like i mean let's just face it 99 percent of the people in canada and the states are actually immigrants mm-hmm. right yeah. and so they <laughs> yeah. if it sure. wasn't them it if it is it if it if it isn't them directly that came from a different country it's their parents and if it isn't their parents it's their grandparents and if it isn't their grandparents it's you know maybe another generation but they all know right like yeah, I'm 14th generation American, but my people are from, you know, right, right. England I mean, heck, or you go far whatever. Back, we're all immigrants here. Right? Exactly, exactly. Right, That's exactly. my point. That's yeah. 14,000 so, years-ish, but you know. Yeah, and so <laughs> for some people, uh, it's it's today. <laughs> you know, right. they're living yeah. this story out, and then for other people, right. we wanted to um, help them see what yeah. it's like in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and the vampires are, like I said, analogies for all the bad stuff. Yep. I am super stoked to be able to actually try this game. Um, you know, talking about it with you today and then what I've talked about with Banana before, this just sounds like so much fun and, uh, such a good learning experience as part of the game as well. So I'm stoked about it for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yay. Thank you. We're also very excited for it. So we are, uh, (laughs) 
we are super low on time here. So um, I was going to have you guys talk about some other projects uh, that you have going on. Uh, but we're going to skip that because I just want to give you all a chance to uh, plug anything uh, that you would like to. Still, So the game comes out July 14th on Kickstarter. Is that the correct yep. date, I think? Yep. Um, yes. So yeah. and it's, it is um, Game of a Curry and Wet Ink Games. Is that correct? Together? Yes. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It's co-published. Yes. Co-published. Which is yes. really cool. And, and yeah. the artwork uh, on that front cover, do yourself a favor and go look at that. Uh, that is... I saw that and was like, who could have possibly done this artwork? And then, oh, it was Quan Chai. Okay, well, that makes sense. Of course. That's what Quan Chai does. So make things that you're like, how did a person make this? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so, so amazing. So um, good. And it's great because the cover is actually kind of gory, but like, you don't even notice, like, you don't even see that the first time you look at it, right? Because yeah. it's just so... Yeah beautiful right oh it's just it's oh i just the cover is yeah uh is an attention grabber for sure i only recently realized that there were little flies coming out of the jiangshu's mouth i didn't didn't know that i'm gonna have to go back and look again now yeah (laughs) i've only actually really looked at it on my phone to be honest so same here because it's it's my it's my lock screen so it's like oh i should go look at that i don't think i've seen that either (laughs) That's my lock screen is actually art from a previous game of mine. So yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> about that. Nice. So, um, so is there anything else besides that that you all want to plug? Any other projects you've got going on or people have going on that you want to uh, toss a mention out to? Uh, we could talk a little bit about a game that we're working on, right? So, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do we want to talk about the Cowherd and Weaver Girl? Yeah. Let's okay. talk about that. All right. All right, cool. So uh, the Cowherd and Weaver Girl is based on a, uh, a Chinese folktale about forbidden love where um, a, uh, a couple has been uh, split apart, basically, and they have to uh, reconnect with one another once a year on the seventh day of the seventh lunar month uh, to like, you know, that's, that's like their only time that they can reconnect. Um, and in this game, you're, uh, we're thinking about using like a, like a chat app or something like that, like integrating, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. modern technology into this and, and we're, you know, being inspired by MMOs and, you know, video games and sort of trying to figure out like a way to, to integrate that into, uh, a more analog game. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. The idea is is you know we we are obviously Chinese people, um, and this is one of the four great literary works of a of a specific era in China, um, and we'd like to turn them all into various games. But this is one that just kind of stuck with us because it's so tragic, right? It's this yeah. unrequited oh, yeah. love. It's these people who are connected yet disconnected mm-hmm. um it's celestial in nature like there's mm-hmm. star patterns that are made and the only reason why they can communicate is through birds magpies, uh, magpies. Okay. yeah specifically yes. yeah and so <laughs> until the day comes and the magpies basically uh, build a bridge of stars across the sky to connect them mm-hmm. um and wow. we started talking about it and we thought how oh, could this work and i don't know how it happened i came up with this 
this acronym for magpie. Oh, yeah. Was, that's how it happened. And <laughs> it became, that? I don't even know anymore. I, I wrote it down somewhere. But it's like multi-user interface generation or something like, so it's, it became this acronym for this, this MMO mail system uh, that these MMO wow. players are communicating through. And then this got me to asking the question, which is actually kind of more interesting in a weird way. It's like, how do people who are playing virtually with each other fall in love? Because I know it's happened. Mm-hmm. We have friends, Banana and I have mutual friends, who mm-hmm. are married because of World of Warcraft, right? Or yeah, something yeah. like that. I know some and people like no, that. they did not go have a World of Warcraft wedding or anything like that. They're married, <laughs> married. They're right. legit married. Right, yeah. But they met on World of Warcraft and... And one of them said, uh, it might not be the one we're talking about, but another one said, yeah, I knew he was, you know, the one for me when he'd tank for me, right? Or something like that, Aww. right? <laughs> and, and like, But how do you communicate that kind of love when you're not physically touching each other or near each other or anything like that? When you're not in face-to-face, like you might not be chatting over face-to-face, you might be like scared of that. Like it might all just be virtual avatars, how, does, mm-hmm. how do you create yeah. a bond? Mm-hmm. And it's real interesting right now in terms of this whole, you know, li- li- live through Zoom, <laughs> like we're doing right now. You know, how do we maintain these connections? And is it the same as a phone call? Is it better than a phone call? Is it worse than a phone call? Um, yeah, and then we wanted to make a game that kind of explored all of that within the the narrative trappings or not limitations because it's more of a springboard of this singular chinese folklore mm-hmm. piece yeah right so that's something that we're we, we haven't put a ton of effort into it yet because well Kickstarter. yeah yeah it's eating up a lot of our time and yeah. sucking out a lot of our yang um, it really is apparently <laughs> like it is. a hopping vampire but, yes just <laughs> like a lot it's like namesake. a hopping vampire that's a true story um and then we have uh, a couple other things that we're working on here and there. They mostly stem from what Banana watches on TV or what I listen to on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. And then we mix it together in a bowl of like soup. And what comes out is usually a, Google a, doc. a pretty funny Google Doc. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we want to explore. Like that mm-hmm. whole idea of multi-level marketing, cults, secret societies. That is totally our jam. Like that's 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 what we love is that weird things that are so weird they actually might be true yeah that's right awesome. mm-hmm. yeah so yeah that's that's where we hope to push some of our games like whether or not they're commercially viable who knows who knows who cares, who cares? just make them eh, fun, right we'll just put it somewhere yeah. but that's what yeah exactly i was just gonna say right, that's what right. itch.io is apparently for right? yeah exactly so, so um i did also want to talk about a game that our friends are working on. Um, So Distant Whispers is from Tuesday Night Games. Uh, Tuesday Night as in like night, like the fighting night. K N I. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, And uh, this is a game that's like, uh, sorry, it's an anthology of games. Uh, The cover is by Jabari Weathers, who is also one of the artists on um, on Anjangshu. They're doing the, some of the Hmong cards. And this is, uh, this is just like a whole bunch of games uh, from this international collective of creators to support the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and all proceeds go towards the National Bail Fund Network. So that's something uh, that's, that's very cool. interesting. Yes, I've, I've heard about out. that. That is very cool. 
Distant whispers, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, dissident whispers, yeah. Oh, dissident. Dissident, sorry. Yes, dissident. Yeah. That was uh, you not coming through clearly over the uh, Zoom connection here. <laughs> sure I probably also just... I'm, I'm probably just not talking properly <laughs> in general. <laughs> uh, fair I'll just talk about cryptids. <laughs> yeah, it's got her excited. <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, she's just... Uh, she's all scatterbrained now, thinking about cryptids and yeah. MLMs. Well, I mean, so... Do you know the show Devs? Yes. I haven't watched it, but I've heard it's good, yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's like sparking our, our it's like it's like fuel for us to make a game about uh, what if people were devs and disconnected and but they found out something very bad was happening about this thing that they were just making a little small part of and how would they get out of this, you know, company oh, to right, tell the world right. and what and then we then we added cryptids in there. We said, What are you <laughs> making code for a cryptid thing or something? <laughs> yeah, right. who knows? Who knows what it's going to be? But it'll again, totally work. Is, yeah, it'll work. We'll make it work. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you both for being here. Um, we're definitely out of time. Uh, this was a great conversation, and I really enjoyed everything we talked about here. Uh, I'm excited about the game. Uh, I'm excited uh, even more about Bigfoot and cryptids than I was before this started. <laughs> for sure. Uh, and I'm going to do some research on some multi-level marketing scheme stuff. So it's going to be great. Um, just don't sign up. No, yeah, just don't sign up. Of course not. Of course. <laughs> I'm pretty sure when I was younger, I signed up for something that I was like, this was dumb. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't lose any money. I might send you, you, a, like, you, send I might send you an email later and be like, hey, want to be a boss, babe? Work yes. from home. <laughs> I do. Like, I do. <laughs> I should have not have clicked on that. Um, oh, your own so, company. Uh, so, <laughs> all right. Well, hey, uh, <laughs> listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show as well. If you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, find us at buildingthegamepodcast.com. Uh, Email us buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Call us at 770-TELL-BTG. You can find us on Twitter at PodcastBTG. I am at J.A. Slingerland. Uh, Sen is... At Sen Fung Lim on Twitter and... On Facebook, you can find me at The Meeple Syrup Show, which is a weekly webcast about game design. But we're on hiatus for the summer, so come back in September. Awesome. And Banana is? At Banana Shan Games on Twitter and Instagram and sometimes Facebook when I have to be. (laughs) I noticed you're there again, so yeah. Uh (laughs) I know, I'm back. (laughs) Uh, Well, hey, thank you both once again for coming. Really appreciated it. Uh, This was a great time. Thanks for, Thanks having, for us. having us. Yes, and uh, to everyone else there, good night. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Dial seven seven hotel BTG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>